Hey everyone, good morning. Welcome to church. Let's stand together and worship. next to you and say hello.
hope y'all are having a great weekend so far. See, we've gathered here this morning not just to do church. I have a feeling that we've gathered here this morning because we want to seek the heart of God. We want to praise his name. And we want to see our lives transformed by his goodness, by his grace, and by his love. And, you know, as we continue to worship and as we sing out this song, it's really an invitation. It's asking God to really just come and fill this place with his presence. Because it's his presence that changes things. And that's what we need here this morning. We, we don't need a great production. We don't need uh, just a great uh, service. We need more of his presence. And so I just want to encourage you. Pastor Gay has an amazing message for us this morning. But in order to truly receive the fullness of it, we have to open our hearts. And we have to allow God to go in those places that we've kind of built walls around. And we have to allow him to start speaking into them. And as we do that, you'll be amazed at the life that will come from it. You'll be amazed at the truths that he'll reveal to you. And so let's just invite God to move in this place this morning. Just invite his Holy Spirit to do what only his Holy Spirit can do and change our lives. Jesus, we invite you in these moments right now, God. your presence fill this place, Jesus, as we seek you and as we praise you. Cause there's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare
seek your presence this morning, God. God, let us not take it for granted, for there's nothing greater, Father, nothing sweeter than your presence. So, Jesus, our hearts are open to you. Our ears are open to you. Speak into our lives, God. God, let us be transformed and changed by an encounter with you, God. God, one that we allow to transform us as we just seek your word. Father God, we reflect on your word. We allow you to change us from the inside out, Father. Be with Pastor Gay she delivers this message, God. God, let us just receive it with gladness and obedience, God, for we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. There truly is nothing greater than his presence, and so we're so glad that you guys are worshiping with us here this morning. Uh, if you are a guest with us, welcome to Salem Fields. Uh, we're so glad that you're here, and hopefully you got a program as you came in, and within that program is a connection card. And so we're going to be taking our tithes and offerings during this next song, and so there are going to be some buckets that come by. And if you could just drop that connection card into that bucket, uh, we just want to be able to reach out to you, say, hey, answer any questions that you might have about the church and really just be able to make that personal uh, contact with you. And so like I said, we are going to be taking our tithes and offerings during this next song. And this is just another way that we get to worship God uh, through giving. You know, God is so generous to each and every single one of us. And I'm sure we can reflect on all the blessings uh, that he's given us, not just throughout this week, but throughout this year so far. And this is really just a way that we're able to give those first fruits of what he has given us back to him in a way of honor and praise and putting him first in our lives. So uh, give with a cheerful, cheerful heart and give as the Lord leads. You do not feel obligated in any way. Uh, but if you would like to give, uh, you can give through cash or check as the buckets come by. Go out to one of the giving kiosks and give uh, Deborah credit out there. Uh, if you are online joining us, welcome. You can give by clicking that little green button in the top right-hand corner. Or as always, a really quick and easy, secure way is to give through the Salem Fields Community Church app. And so however you give, like I said, just give with a cheerful heart as the Lord leads you. Uh, hopefully, if you do want to pull out your phones, uh, whatever social media platform you like to use, whether that's checking in on Facebook or, or sending a tweet or taking a picture and posting it to Instagram, uh, we just want to encourage you to, to do that in this moment. Just show everyone that you're worshiping here this morning at Salem Fields Community Church. And I'm telling you, someone's going to see that and going to say, you know what, I need to start going to church, or I need to go and uh, see what all of that is about. We've heard stories of it, so uh, don't take that for granted, and I know it seems something's pretty small and insignificant, but it can really make a significant impact in someone's life. Uh, Peyton's got a couple more announcements for us. Good morning, everyone. I've got a few more quick announcements for you guys. Um, we have a men's breakfast coming up. That's going to be on Saturday, March 24th at 8 a.m. Um, and as you can see, it says men's breakfast with their kids. We are encouraging men, um, if you're an uncle, if you're a grandfather, a father, um, if you have young children or um, I guess any any age of children, yes, <laughs> um, we're encouraging that you bring them um, with you to this breakfast and give mom the morning off. Um, and so like I said, that's going to be held on March 24th, which is a Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Um, and if you have any questions, you can email men at Salem Fields. Um, we have our Smithfield missions trip coming up. That is actually taking place next Saturday is the starting date, and it's going to go through until the end of next Friday. Um, and I've been told that we are needing people for that last um, two, three-day period, um, any 
anytime Thursday or Friday. If you can't stay the entire um, six days, come down just for one day um, and help serve the homeless community there. Smithfield has a great um, program. They bring people in um, and they give them food, they give them showers and they fellowship together. Um, so if you're interested in that, there's gonna be a table outside in the lobby after this service. Celebrate Recovery is another program um, we are adding to our classes here at Salem Fields. Um, Joe talked about it a little bit last week. Um, we're actually having informational sessions about that in the hospitality room in the lobby outside. Um, and lastly, we have our Easter services coming up. As you can see, there's a lot of ways that we can invite friends and get um, plugged in with these services. And so you probably got a card in your program um, and there will be more out in the lobby. So just be praying about who the Lord would have you invite, um, but also be keeping an eye out for updates on that. Share on Facebook, pass out those cards and just invite, invite, invite. We're really glad that you guys are here. We're gonna continue our series called Say What? What did you say? Man, what's up, Doc? say it. <laughs> Look at that person next to you, get right in their face and go, do it. Say what? <laughs> We're in a series called Say What? And uh, this is the second week of the series. And in Jesus's own words, if you look at them in the Bible, they'll be in red. But in Jesus's own words, he invites us to live in a way that is humanly impossible like love your enemies. That's not possible humanly. We need his power. And today, he's inviting us one more time to do something that is humanly impossible. Do not be anxious. Go ahead, do it. Say what? Say what? Oh, you weren't quite as enthusiastic about that when I'm saying do not be anxious. But those are the words of Jesus there in red. Now, what happens if you have a young child and you say to them, don't do that? What do they do? That's our human nature, right? Somebody tells us don't do something. And here's Jesus in his own words telling us, don't be anxious. And I think he does that to bring this humanity out in us that tends to rebel against him. And he's challenging us to do something humanly impossible, to resist that urge and to allow his power to overtake us. And we have to, we have to figure out what all that means. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. We are an anxiety-ridden culture. I mean, uh, we'll talk more about that. But uh, we're going to take our tithes, and after the basket goes by, I'd love for you to stand up and kind of engage. You may not know this song, but you can read those lyrics, and I want you to key into those <laughs> lyrics, because really, this is what we all desire, okay? Let's worship. 
Thank you. You can be seated. That was beautiful, wasn't it? Isn't that what we all want? Peace? Think about the lyrics of that song. It says, I don't want to be afraid when the storm comes my way. I don't want to be afraid. That's what we all want, right? I, we don't want to be afraid. But what I found in the church and with Christians is that a lot of times we come in relationship with him or we come to church and we want God to just dump it all down on us without costing us anything. We want God to do most of the work. We want him to keep us safe and we want him to give us peace and we want him and on and on and on and we pray that way, God give me this and, and, and it almost becomes that we want him more for what he can give us than for who he is. And peace actually is just a byproduct, something that will happen if we walk by faith in him. You see, we humans tend to get our eyes in the wrong place. The lyrics of that song say, let faith rise up in me. And even when my eyes can't see, I will trust in the words that you speak. Now, I can tell you this, that's a whole lot easier to say than to do. And we believers are notorious for saying the words, and I think it's why a lot of people have been turned off to Christianity, because they're not really seeing us live what we say we believe. They're really not seeing us loving our enemies. Or they're really not seeing us living in a freedom that is almost freakish. But Jesus calls us to do something that is humanly impossible. It is not possible for us to be anxiety-free or worry-free unless we put our trust in what our eyes cannot see. And when our eyes cannot see something and we step forward, we're stepping into the unknown, aren't we? And what's the number one fear of anxiety? The unknown, the future. What's gonna happen to me? What if I don't have enough money? What if my kids don't turn out right? On and on and on. What if my health goes bad? What if, what if, what? That's anxiety. You see, faith and anxiety are mutually exclusive. They cannot reside together. They are not best friends. The more faith that we have, the more it's gonna squeeze out anxiety. And the more anxiety we have, the less faith we're gonna have, and that anxiety will control our life. Fear has this incredible way of actually making happen what we fear. And so if we're not gonna hook into what Jesus means by this, do not be anxious, we're gonna miss the point. You see, anxiety and fear are like two sides of a coin. If you flip a coin, it's not going to land up and down like this, is it? It's going to land on heads or it's going to land on tails. And I can promise you every single one of us get into a situation where we have a choice. Am I going to trust God and go forward and trust that his word is true? Or am I going to play it safe 
and turn around and move back. And the moment that we turn around and move back, fear has a grip on our life. It's in control of our life and it will rob you and steal you of every good and prosperous plan that God has for our life. And so Jesus says, do not be afraid because he knows that human urge is gonna come right out in us. It's amazing to me how we hang on to our anxiety. It's almost like it's an old friend. It's almost like something that we've learned how to manage and we know how to do, and so we can get through life and we just either deny it and say, oh, it's okay, and I just give it all to God, or we uh, stuff it down in, or we do something to temporarily make it go away. George Muller said this. He said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. That's pretty strong, isn't it? And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Anxiety and worry are the most counterproductive things that we can possibly do. It's like sitting in a rocking chair and hoping that we'll get somewhere. We'll just rock and rock and rock and we might be comfortable, but eventually we're going to be stuck and we're going to be in a rut because we can get really comfortable there in our rocking chair. Uh, every morning, a lot of us get up, we get in that car, and we drive ourselves around. I don't know where that came from, but I'm looking at license plates a lot, and that's a pretty good one, isn't it? Anxiety. It's just, it's just what I do, you know? And a lot of us, that's just what we do, because we've learned how to manage it. Let me tell you something. Jesus did not come and die on a cross so we could manage our anxiety, so we could just... Pretend that we don't have fear. Jesus came and he sacrificed his life so that we would be free of the chains that bind us. And fear and anxiety are choking people out of the plan and the future that God has for our lives. And my hope and my dream of what the body of Christ could be in our culture today that is desperately looking for something real are people that live in a countercultural way that are saying, you know what, I'm afraid, but here's the steps I'm taking because God and I are working through this together. And I'm, and, and I'm, and I'm striving for the freedom that I can only have in him. Anxiety is distress about the future. And you know what happens? It chokes us out of the beauty of today. We're an anxiety-ridden culture. Uh, Buddy and I went to LA just for some R&R, and on the way back, uh, we hopped on a plane, and uh, we, f we flew southwest. Now, I don't know if you know about southwest, but you gotta run, and you gotta get your seat, right? And you gotta hope for the best seat. Now, we paid 30 extra dollars to get in A-line. It used to be that you could get in the A-line when you signed in, but, but now it's like you gotta pay a little extra to even get in A. So we paid the extra $30, so already it cost us something. And uh, we were on our way back and out. It took about five and a half hours. We were going against all the winds that you guys got when we were, uh, when you, when we were out there. Five and a half hours out. So it's a long flight. And on the way back, it was going to take four hours. So on the way out, the, the plane was full. On the way back, I asked the flight attendant, I said, is the plane full? Because I thought... Maybe for this four-hour flight, I'll get a middle seat that's open, right? Like Buddy and I both sit on the aisle, and uh, 
you always hope for that open seat. So I thought, yes, I'm going to get an open middle seat because then I can spread out four hours. I just get like that on planes. I have to ask the Lord to forgive me because I just like my space. I've paid for my space. I want my sound space. I want my space. Everything that I paid for, right? Okay, and then if I can get a little extra room with an empty middle seat, that's a good deal. So the flight attendant shuts the door, and I've got my middle seat. Buddy has a middle, open middle seat. And uh, I see this little scrawny guy, and he's bringing his bag. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, like, holding my breath. <laughs> I know you're skinny, but I don't want you sitting here. <laughs> and uh, so he puts it up, and he climbs over, and he gets in, and I say, so I'm sitting there, I have my middle seat, and also, if you know you sit on the aisle, you don't have much room, so when you put your bag there, it takes your feet away. So I had my bag under the middle seat placed there, so I had all my room. I mean, I was sitting there, I was ready to go. And then I hear this rustling coming from behind me, and I'm thinking, dear God, please no. I've got my middle seat. I paid 30 extra dollars. And this man in front of me was, he'd made Kelly look very small. And he was coming back into, and, and, and I hear this, and here comes this dude. I mean, he was huge. He had dreads. He had a bag as big as my, a bag full of stuff. And I see him standing there right between, be, behind Buddy and I. And he's looking over at Buddy. He told me later, he said, I saw you two skinny people and I decided to come in there. So he's crawling over me, and I'm looking at Buddy, and I'm going, <sighs> I had to ask the Lord to forgive me for that later. <laughs> I get to be really, that's who I am on airplanes. And, but I like my room. So he crawls in, and he's crawling over me, and his bag hits me in the head, and I'm thinking, it's gone. I go to Buddy, it's going to be four hours. <laughs> <laughs> and so as he's getting in, and I had to take my bag out from under the seat and give it to Buddy so because he had an empty seat over there. <laughs> and so he crawls in, he's crawling over, and as he's sitting down, which he took half my seat because his arm, he looks me straight in the face. He's that far away. Hello, my name is Jeffrey, and I'm here to end homelessness is what he said. And I saw this gigantic ring on his hand. And I said, he's got to be a professional football player that won a ring. And so I'm curious about that. And he sits down and he says, I'm really scared. <laughs> and he said, but I took a shot of liquor before I got on here. <laughs> and I said, well, Jeffrey, you hit the jackpot because you just sat down by a psychologist and a pastor. <laughs> And he said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and for the next hour and a half, Jeffrey and I had the most wonderful conversation. I don't know. He might show up here someday. You know, we do that, right? We meet people, and then we bring them here. But he, was, he had gone to NC State. He got a degree in computer science, did that for about 20 years. And he said, I couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't take it anymore. And he said, but my heart just got activated by people homeless. And he said, I haven't flown in 20 years. That's why I'm scared. That's why I had to prepare the way that I did, because I haven't flown, and I'm really scared of this. And I could tell his anxiety was rising. And as we talked, I said, well, 
Jeffrey, there must be a reason why you're so passionate about homelessness. Because he was out there and he had gone to, I said, have you visited Skid Row? And he said, yeah, I was out there. But they flew me out here to speak. And I said, why are you so passionate? He said, because when I went to NC State, I was homeless. I lived in my car. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't disappoint my mom. I couldn't tell her that I didn't have enough money to live in the dorm or live somewhere. So I lived in my car the whole time. And so we talked about that. And after a little while, Jeffrey said, I think that liquor just wore off me. He said, I'm not scared anymore. <laughs> and I said, it's because you hit the jackpot with me. <laughs> he said, I think that's really true. And I said, Jeffrey, you really didn't need to drink that, did you? Because you see, as a culture, what we do, so many of us are like Jeffrey. Because we find things to temporarily deal with our fear and deal with our anxiety. That's what we do. We find all kinds of things like a shot of liquor or biting our nails or a pill. So much easier to pop a pill than to do what we're going to talk about here this morning. So much easier. Or some people smoke a cigarette. Or some people like me walk. I walk to relieve anxiety. But you know what happens with all of those things? It actually increases your anxiety. It increases that capacity in you because it's only temporary. It's going to wear off. And when you come back out of that, you're going to need more and more and more. It'll never go away. You will never be free of your anxiety if we insist on taking those momentary temporary solutions to our, society, to, to our anxiety. You see, anxiety, and here's a, a quote, anxiety is a stream of fear. What anxiety is, is just a big ball of a whole bunch of fears in our life. And if we don't name that fear, it has control of our life. Because I can promise you this, whatever you fear, and so many people, when I say to, to anyone, say, name it, tell me what it is, and they'll say, well, I don't know what it is. The, whatever you fear, because all of us have something in there, you have given permission to control your life. Whatever you fear. Now, if you fear God, you're putting him first. The Bible says fear God. That means you put him first in everything you do. But if you don't, if you're not doing that and you fear snakes, snakes have, are in control of your life. If you fear flying, flying is in, uh, the fear of flying is in control of your life. You see, anxiety is only a symptom of fear. We talk about anxiety because we don't know what to do with it. Nobody knows what to do with anxiety. You have to first start breaking it down and saying, Lord, what might be a fear that's controlling me? It takes a lot of guts to do that. But unless we get to the source, unless we get to the source, whether it's a, a surface fear like snakes or mine happens to be blood, uh, not anybody else's, just my own. Um, I pass out. <laughs> I, there's, there's a fear there, although I don't anymore because I've worked through it. But I used to have that one. But we have all kinds of, of fears. It's either a surface fear or if we work through those and bore down in, deep within our heart, we'll find some fears that we didn't even know were there. 
I know because that's what happened to me. There was a time when I appeared fearless to people. And I thought that I was overcoming my fears when in reality, as I walked this faith out and I let faith rise in me, God continued to show me some deep heart fears that were controlling my life. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. You see, whatever we fear, we give permission to be in control of our life. And Jesus did not come for us to be choked to death by our anxiety and our worry and our fear. He said, in fact, don't be anxious. Get it out of your life. Live by faith. Trust my word. I won't let you down. But are we as believers living that out in a culture that so desperately wants to see something that's real, something that's, that works? It blows my mind. We go to the movies and we watch super superpowers Yet God promises us that we can have superpower. It's the Holy Spirit that will overcome anything. But is that what the world is seeing in us? Or do they see us just like everybody else? Are we as Christ followers living a counter-cultural, counter-intuitive life that says, I'll tell you what, it's impossible for me to love that person who persecuted me, but God and I together in our relationship, we're tackling that. And through his power, he's allowing me to love that person in a way that's humanly impossible. Or are people hearing from us, you know what, I had this fear and I was overridden with anxiety, but I decided I wasn't going to take this or take that or do that or do this, and I was going to key into what God's called me to do, and I am overcoming that fear. That's freakish. People don't hear that very much. And my heartbeat, my heartbeat, is that the world would see believers that are li that's living a life that really works, that really takes this superpower that he's promised to every single one of us, and it's overcoming those things in our life that tear us down. You know, the average person, uh, the average person's anxiety is focused on 40% of our life, we're worrying about something that will never happen. We're never getting into the future. We're never doing what we're going to talk about here today. And so we're living in that anxiety-ridden place, and we're never making any movement to overcome. We're worrying about things that won't even happen. 30% are things that happened in the past that will never be changed. We ruminate and ruminate over things that will never be changed. All we can do is take what we have now, work through it, resolve it, make restitution, and we have to, and that's why so many people carry pains of their past with them because they never take the time to work through it and resolve it and move on. We cannot move on without it unless we do that. And then 12% are things about criticism by others. And we don't like to be criticized by others, but the reality of it is as long as you live, you're going to feel criticism from other people. So you know what the solution is? Learn how to be criticized. Learn how to be criticized so that when it happens, it's not going to take you down. You have a plan to know how to be criticized so when it happens, you're prepared. And then 10% is about our health. And do you know, I, I would say if I asked you to raise your hand, a lot of people worry about your health here. You know what happens when you worry about your health? Your health gets worse. 
whatever you fear, you will make come true in your life. Now, I'm speaking to you as a psychologist right there, okay? That's a fact. Whatever you fear will take you down. It will actually sabotage you and actually make whatever you fear to happen. You don't want that to happen in your life because God's word says, don't worry, don't be anxious. And then 8% is really about the real problems. Now, that's where we need to be spending our time, and I'm going to show you how to do that and show you how to overcome fear. Winston Churchill uh, said on his deathbed, he said, I've had a lot of trouble in my life, most of which never happened. We don't want to be saying that on our deathbed. We want to be pouring our energy into the place that's going to allow us to be set free and allow us to show a world that this faith that we say we believe in, this Jesus that we say we believe in, really is true and really is real. The only way the world's going to know it is if they see it in you. So here's the risk. Would you choose not to be anxious? Because God says he'll take care of tomorrow. All we're responsible for is right now. Right now. That's a present, right? It's the present. All we're responsible for is right now. And before you leave today, you're going to have opportunity to choose, am I going to move forward with God's word or am I going to play it safe and stay right where I am because I've learned how to manage this. I've learned how to do this. And that's how the rest of the world looks. You know, so many people are, so many Christians are like Jeffrey. We're afraid to trust God's word. You know, uh, he almost missed the enjoyment of the flight. He almost missed it. He almost missed the present moment. We miss what, how we miss so much in our children's life because we're so concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow. And we miss it. And Jesus said, peace is not our, our goal Walking with me and I am the goal. See, remember, anxiety and fear are learned. You learn to be scared. You learn to have that anxiety. It came from an environment where you had to adapt and adjust and morph into whatever that environment needed you to be. The problem is that is counterproductive to your health your mental health, your physical health. And here's the good news. Whatever we learn, we can unlearn. But I can tell you, anybody that's tried to break a habit, you know how powerfully hard that is, right? That's why we have Celebrate Recovery. But, but anybody else as well, to try to change something, you say, oh, I want to get up, I want to do whatever you want to do. And it, it's like, oh, I try so hard, but eventually you see yourself not do it anymore. It's because willpower, human power, will only get us so far. It will never uh, be sustaining. It, it won't last uh, for good. So whatever we learn, we can unlearn. Now, I learned a very, very important lesson uh, when I decided to skydive. Some of you have heard that story, but when I was in college, you know, you're big and bad when you're in college. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to jump out of a plane. And uh, they had a lesson one day, and I wasn't able to make it there. And I thought, well, I will. I'll jump out of the plane one day. And I, it never did happen. And then I got married, and I told Buddy, I said, 
I really want to skydive. And he said, uh, I really don't want you to skydive. <laughs> and so I had my excuse. <laughs> I didn't do it because I wanted to respect him. And then one day I said, it was like 25 years later, <laughs> and I said, I really would like to skydive. And he said, okay, I'm ready for you too. And I went, <laughs> I'm telling you, a fear came over me like I had never had before. It was like I had the green light now, and now it was on me, and I was scared to death. And uh, so I uh, decided, here's a little strategy that I began to work through that will help each one of us overcome any fear that we have in our life. First of all, I had to admit it. You know, one thing I really loved about Jeffrey when he got on the plane, he didn't care what he looked like or anything else. He was, he was so honest. He was so, uh, you know, when he said, I'm scared, when I heard that coming out of that big guy's, I, w I, I respected him so much because he was being honest. Now, how he handled it will, but he admitted it. And see, I had to admit it when it was, when, when Buddy said, it's okay for you to sky, I had to admit, now I'm scared because I was known as a fearless person. I'll jump out of that plane. And, uh, and I was scared. So I admitted it. See, is there anything in your life that you're not doing or something that's holding you back that you really could see God using you or you'd really love to do? Just allow God to bring that to your mind. You see, in James it says, confess your sins one to another. Do you know that, that anxiety is a, is a sin? Because it's counter to faith. They can't coexist. And so we have to admit it. I'm scared. I'm really scared to trust God's word because I don't really know if he'll catch me. And so the first thing that we have to do is name it. And so many people, I, last night I had the whole band, when we went up to pray, I said, tell me your fear, tell me your fear. And it was kind of uncomfortable for them, but you know what? One after another, they did it. That was the first step to diffusing the power that the enemy has over them. And I'm just gonna do that with people. Because if we can't name it, then it, whatever it is, is in control of my life. I just happened to be stubborn enough that I didn't want anything having control over my life except God. But it wasn't something that just happened or that he just dumped on me or just caused to happen in me. I had to be in partnership with him. And so the first step in your strategy to overcome a fear or your anxiety is to admit it to name it. The second thing is to work all of the possible scenarios that might happen. You see, because we get so afraid of what might happen in the future that we play it safe. We don't step out. We hang on to the safety of it. And, and so I had to work through the possible scenarios. The first one, I had 33 and a third chance for three possible outcomes. <laughs> the first one was, I was gonna die. I could die. And so I went to Buddy and all the while this fear inside of me was holding me back and hoping for a red light somewhere that said I could blame it on them for not doing it, right? And so I went to Buddy and I said, um, I'm really scared <laughs> and I realized that if I died, it would have an impact on you. Are you still okay with it? And he said, yeah. 
And so I said, didn't get a red light there. And so I said, well, I know that if I died, it would impact my family. I mean, I would hate to see them grieve and, and, and lose me. I mean, because I'd be okay. I'm going to be in heaven. I've made it right with Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with him. If I die, I'm good, right? But I had to think further than myself. I had to think this could impact other people, not really knowing that I was still kind of working my fear. So I went to my family, took them right out here to Rubicon, and I said, you guys, I've decided to move forward with skydiving, and I'm kind of scared, and um, Dad's okay with it now, and uh, I know that if something happened to me, you guys would have, and on and on. And they said, yeah, we're okay. <laughs> what are they trying to tell me? <laughs> and so that one was out of the way. I'm ready to die. They're okay. They loved me. They wanted me to be able to do something that I love. The second thing was that I could be injured really bad. You know, I mean, it could change my life forever. And so I started thinking through that and to play it safe would be, I'm not jumping out of that plane. And then I was like, I don't want that to cheat me out of something incredible. Still hoping for the red light, the green light came. The Lord said to me, you know what, Gay? If something happens to you, then I can use you with an injured body even more then I can use you with a healthy body. Boom. That was the scariest. I think I'd rather die than to have an injury. But God reassured me, I got you, gay. Now it's in those moments that we either turn back and let fear win or we move forward. And so I decided to move forward, had that one out of the way. And I can tell you, as I was going up in that plane and I had the guy on my back and it was like it was getting closer and closer and it was like, oh, this is no, there's no turning back now. But here's the thing. I did not want to, the reason I went through that whole process, I did not want to miss that 55 seconds of free fall. I did not want to miss the moment that really I had dreamed about all my life. I mean, literally, I had dreams about flying through the air. I still do. I love, I love flying through the air. That would be my superpower. And I, this was the closest that I could get to it. And I, did, I wanted to be in every second of that. So I worked through my fear so my fears did not choke my present. I talked to a guy right after the last service, and he said, I did the skydiving thing too, and I climbed out on the wing. And then when I flew off, I don't even remember that free fall. All I remember is when I was safe with a parachute. And I said, you see, that's the difference between you and me, because I did not want to miss the rush of that moment and that free fall. That's what it was all about for me, and that's exactly how we are. We're so concerned about the future, and we haven't done the work of working through that with God that we miss the moment and our fears actually make what we fear come true. You got to trust me on that. You don't want that to happen. And so we have to work through those possible scenarios because I can promise you whatever we fear, we give permission to be in control of our life. Do we fear God and put him first in our life and trust his word that what he says will be? Or do we fear fear? The third thing that we have to do after we admit it 
and we look at all the possible scenarios and outcomes is we have to take action. You see, many of us will get up here from here today and we'll have heard a great message, but we'll go out and just be the same. If we're gonna live by faith, if faith is gonna rise up in me, it is always a risk. You cannot play it safe with God. You've gotta go to the edge of the cliff and you've gotta jump. And, and the trust says, God will catch me or I'll land and I'll be okay. And we stand there on the cliff and say, is there anybody else up there that could give us a better scenario? The reality of it is no. Because when you step forward with God, when you step forward in your faith, it's a risk. And this is where victory and freedom are won and lost. This is your battleground in that moment where you get to choose, not what your spouse or your child or anybody, you're in that moment and you get to choose if you're gonna spring forward in freedom or you're gonna play it safe and let anxiety and worry be your friend. We all get that choice. You're gonna get that choice before you even leave here today. And so here's what I can promise you. You won't understand true faith and true dependence until you experience it. You see, the outcome is not what we put our eyes on. We're walking with Jesus. We're trusting his word. We're keeping our eyes on him. And then whatever happens is his direct voice and hand in your life. Guess how he answered my skydiving? Now, it may not have turned out that way, but I was ready for the death and the injury. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, we don't spend enough time counting the cost. Jesus wants us to. If he says don't be anxious, then he's gonna equip us in our relationship with him to be prepared for whatever's out there because he's already there anyway. We don't wanna miss the moment. We don't wanna miss it. You see, that God's, God's uh, answer to us, we say, we, I don't hear God answering me. Well, it could be because you're not doing your part. We all have a part. We have a part, God has a part. And if we're not doing our part, how can he answer? Because the outcome as you work through that will be his answer. I can't tell you what that would be. I can't do that for you, buddy can't, nobody can do it. The only way that you're gonna receive is by walking in faith, by taking action, by challenging your fear, by not allowing fear to win. It's huge. Let me tell you, there's a powerful verse in Proverbs. It says, the fear of man is like a snare. Do you know what a snare is? A snare is a trap that's meant to catch an animal but not kill it. And what happens is the teeth of that trap come down into the animal, and when the animal tries to tear away, it only goes deeper. And that's exactly what fear is in our life. When it has a grip in your life, when you haven't named it, when you haven't walked by faith and trusted God, when you haven't taken action and you haven't seen the outcome that he will bring as a result of that, fear has you in its grip 
I refuse to let fear choke me out of God's purpose and plan for my life. I just do. But here's what I know. The more you commit to working through your fear, the more God will bore down deep into your heart. And you'll begin to find some fears down there that you probably never knew you had, but I can promise you they're very actively driving you. That's the incentive for doing this. Because we sabotage our relationships, we sabotage so much that we want in our life because we're not willing to face anxiety and fear head on. Jesus says, I've made a way for you. You have my word. The Bible says, anyone that puts their trust in the Lord will be kept safe. Do you believe that? You can, we can shake our heads and say yes, but I don't believe you until you can tell me that you've walked through this. I not only know the knowledge of this, I've experienced it. I've spent a life challenging my fears. I want all that God has for me. I want his purpose and his plan for my life, but what that has meant is I've had to look at some really nasty things in my life. And until we're ready to do that, we're not gonna be the eagle that flies high. We're gonna be the turkey that scratches on the ground. And my heart is that the body of Christ would show the world that we're living humanly impossible only because of the power of Jesus. Now here's what I want to happen in this, these last moments that we have together. Well, I'll share that. L listen to this song. Told you you're not good enough. Told you you're not right. Told you you're not strong enough. Put up a good fight. Told you you're not worthy. Told you you're not loved. Told you you're not beautiful. That you'll never be enough. Oh, fear is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear is a liar. He will rob your wrists, steal your happiness, to cast your
Fear's a liar. Why do we allow it to choke us? Why do we try to avoid it? Why do we pretend it's not there? Because it's choking us. It's ruining our relationships. It, it, it destroys our dreams. It destroys our health. And we do things to temporarily relieve it and it only makes things worse because it never goes away. Jesus did not come for us to manage our anxiety and our fear. He came so that we could be free. That's why Christ came, to free us, to break the chains that are holding us back from accomplishing what he originally designed us to do. We all get to choose. Fear's a liar. Why wouldn't we choose to do whatever it takes to deal with our anxiety, what Jesus says? You know, we have to drill down. We have to question what fear tells us in those moments that's holding us back and we're trying to play it safe. We have to question that. Why does fear not want me to step forward? Because he doesn't want you to have what God has for your life. 
And so it's not something that you just do, it's something that you methodically look at and you walk by faith with God and you listen to him and he speaks to you and he gives you a green light and it takes some time. But it's in that relationship with Jesus Christ that you are letting faith rise in you. That's the work, not trying to get the peace not trying to get enough money so that you'll have enough, not trying to be the perfect parent with your children. No, it's walking by faith and attacking those fears. You see, the enemy has gotten really good at getting our eyes in all other places. Do you know one of the things that relieves anxiety is just distractions, not having to look at it? just denying. And as you bore into this, as you do this, and as you pray, God, show me. I just spoke with a man out there right after the service, and he said, I don't even know what my fear is. And I said, I can promise you that if you go to the Lord, because I heard what his fear was. I knew his fear. He didn't. But it does no good for me to know his fear, and I wasn't about to tell him because God needs to tell him what that is. And I can promise you, if you go out of here today and you live this week and you begin to say, Lord, would you show me where I might have some fears that are holding me back and choking me? I can promise you over time, he will. You just may not like what you see, but now you've just diffused your fear and anxiety by taking that small step and being willing to hear what he says. Because deep within your heart, there's probably some insecurity that says, I'm scared to death of what's gonna happen in the future. We do that. But the Bible clearly says, if you feel insecure, be bold. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll find grace and we'll find everything that we need to help us. My grandfather used to pray every prayer. He'd say, Father, we approach you with boldness at the throne of grace. I remember that. And that's what he says we can do. We can approach him boldly. Where We're in those moments where we're scared to death and we name it, I'm afraid of this God. You approach boldly the throne of grace and he will give you grace and he will give you everything you need to take the next step. And quite honestly, many of us struggle with feeling helpless. We feel like, well, I can't do anything about this. There's nothing I can do. And then that, we've learned how to be powerless And so we don't do anything. That's a lie of the enemy. The Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He will give us that power to take the next step in the middle of our fear. The fear is not gonna go away. Courage is when you step forward in spite of the fear. And then quite honestly, this is the one that I found deep within my heart, feeling isolated. You know, I had a lot of issues of abandonment. I had my father pass away. I had brothers divorce. I lost my nieces. and I've had a lot of loss of people in my life, and I had no idea how deeply that went down in my heart, and I discovered that in my life, what I was fearful of was people leaving me. Not people dying, but people leaving me. And that caused me to be dependent in certain ways. And that caused me to act in certain ways. And it wasn't until God showed that to me because I was willing to see it that I, was, that I began to be able to diffuse that fear 
that had been driving me for most of my life. I can promise you, if you're willing, and if you ask, and if you want it bad enough, God will show you what that is. You see, we've got some promises to trust in. And the question is, are you a believable believer? Are you really living by trusting God for the outcome? My hope and my dream for the body of Christ, for Christ's followers, is that that's what we show to the world, that we're living humanly impossible. It's not possible for me to love my enemy. It's not possible for me to be anxiety-free. The only way that I can do that is walking by faith with God methodically, allowing him to speak to me, surrendering that over, and taking action and moving forward. Because I can tell you this, I've had some outcomes as a result of that that nobody can ever tell me there isn't a God. Those are the kind of believers that we need out there in the world, in your workplaces. Paul said this, he said, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we gotta have a grateful heart. Present your request to God. And we're gonna end, we started with the words of Jesus that were humanly impossible, and we're gonna end with the words of Jesus. And he said this, I've told you all of this. You see, he's told you all of this because all of this, even this morning, was based on scripture. I've told you all of this, and Jesus has told you all of this so that you may have peace, a result of keeping your eyes on Jesus and walking in faith with him. He said, here on earth, you're gonna have all kinds of problems. You're gonna have troubles and trials. It could be before this day is over, you're gonna have a problem. That's not gonna go away. But Jesus said this, he said, take heart because I overcome the world. You see, it blows my mind that we go to the movies and we watch the superpower when we can be the one filled with superpower. We have a superpower, the Holy Spirit, that will overcome. We don't have to temporarily relieve our anxiety. We can overcome. Do you really believe that? Are you a believable believer? Are you living that? That's what the world wants to see. Now, this song, it's... There's power in the name of Jesus. Talks about breaking chains. And we're gonna stand and worship to this, but it's so much more. So much more is gonna happen in these moments. What I'm gonna ask of you, what I ask in every service, is if God has revealed something to you, or maybe he hasn't, maybe you're just willing to discover a fear or that, that's been holding you back. If during this song you just come up here and stand, not gonna do anything, ask you to do anything, but just come up here and stand as a way that you're taking a baby step to say, in your face, fear, I will not let you choke me out of what God has for my life. Let's stand together.
it's brutal. He is not going to just dump peace down on you. It's not going to be because we've sung a song or we said, yeah, I want my chains to be broken. It's because you have put the stake down and you said, I'm going to work this. I'm going to work it. I am going to find God's best for my life. And what that means is I've got to overcome these fears. And as I walk and let faith rise up in me, 
It's God and I that will do that. Oh, the result will be some peace, but that's not the point. The point is that he has given you. It only took 12 for Jesus. Look at this army that we've got. If we're serious about this, if we truly want to live this, it's not about showing the world. It's about personal victory and overcoming that you won't be able to help telling other people what's happened in your life. I'm not up here as your pastor today. I'm not up here as my job. I'm up here because I am telling you, he's done it in my life. I have overcome. But the moment we do that, he'll show me another fear. And now I've got this walk with him. And I can tell you, I'm still scared sometimes. There are times when I feel like, you know, what's gonna happen or I'm gonna be all alone. All these people, but yet, and God says, haven't I proven myself to you? And I'm walking in freedom. And that's what I so desire and what Jesus desires for his body of Christ is to walk in this freakish, humanly impossible freedom not just managing our fears. Let me tell you something. If you take that little sheet that I put in your program, you just got thousands of dollars worth of therapy. <laughs> because you'll go sit in a therapist's office and you'll get the exact same thing. You've got to work it. He's not going to dump it down on us. You've got to take a step. And you know what you guys did? Fear in the face. You took a baby step. And that's all it was. It was a baby step. So you go out of here this week, you take that sheet, you be courageous enough to step into your fear and say, God, show me what that is. You've got to name it because if you don't name it, it has a grip on you. That's the first thing, okay? Father, thank you for what you've done here today. Father, Not, please remind us, Lord, not just to be hearers of the word, but that we've got an active part in this and as we walk that out, Lord, even the slightest of victory is exhilarating. Help us to be mindful of the moment and get our eyes off of the future. Sure, plan for today for the future, but God, help us to keep our eyes on you. Oh, that's my prayer. Help us to keep our eyes on you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you've done here this weekend. God, I thank you for the personal victory that I overcame even through this message. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go. Be brutal.